Our first scripture reading this evening is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the holy gospel. From John chapter 4, praise to you, O Christ. Jesus came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for me a drink of a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. The hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I 
I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking to a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see the man who has told me everything I did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told them all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And we, in the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. All of us are used to the experience of being thirsty, and we know how wonderful it is to have a good drink of water when we need it. And if you know much about health or care much about what people are saying these days, you know that hydration is a big topic, and there are people who are very careful about measuring how much water they drink. Men, I think, are supposed to drink three liters, and ladies, maybe two and a half liters or something like that. There's a lot of great benefits for drinking water and staying hydrated. Jesus uses the example of thirst in our gospel lesson today from John 4 to teach us about another kind of dehydration that we might from time to time in our lives be experiencing, and that would be our spiritual dehydration and our need for what Jesus calls the living water of his word. There are three things that take place in this gospel reading, and I'm going to read each uh, section here that covers a conversation, a confrontation, and a conversion. And then we're going to think about how we each are involved in conversations like this with the Lord. How each of us are also faced with the Lord's confrontation and as well the Lord's conversions that he gives to us in many special and wonderful ways. Reading again the Gospel of John, beginning at verse 5, Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. The sixth hour would be noon in the heat of the day. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that saying, do you give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where do you get this living water? 
Are, we, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. We begin with the conversation. Jesus has a conversation with this woman. And as John points out, it's significant because she is a Samaritan. A brief reminder to everyone about who the Samaritans were. If you remember the history of Israel, there was a terrible civil war. Ten tribes to the north often known simply as Israel or sometimes Ephraim, rebelled against the two tribes to the south, especially where Jerusalem was, Judah and Benjamin. And after a while, this fragmentation of the people of Israel led to an Assyrian takeover of those ten tribes to the north, and the Assyrians purposely racially mixed those people with themselves and therefore the Samaritans were thought of as not true Jewish people, half-breeds if you will, both physically and spiritually. Over the years there was a lot of animosity. I mean there was animosity even before the Assyrians that goes all the way back to the civil war that occurred there in Israel. Nevertheless, it's so important for you to see and for me to see how Jesus reaches out to this woman and it fits in with all that he ever said about loving our enemies and so on, especially as we'll see Jesus showing her and all of us that God's grace is universal to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Jesus said to the disciples that the gospel would to go out in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, where the Samaritans are from, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus has this conversation with this woman, and she was interested in what Jesus was talking about, this business of living water. Not everyone who Jesus spoke to was interested like this. In his own hometown, they tried to stone him, when Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, uh, he said that sometimes people aren't going to receive you, and in those cases, you need to shake the dust off your feet. Nevertheless, this was not one of those cases. She was genuinely interested in what Jesus had to say. Also, would like for us to compare this conversation in John chapter 4 with the conversation that Jesus had in John chapter 3. We heard about that last Sunday, the conversation with Nicodemus. And here you see the great contrast between the two kinds of people Jesus was reaching out to in faith for their salvation. Nicodemus the Pharisee, Nicodemus the man of the law and of Moses and so on, and this woman of Samaria who would be clearly on the other end of the moral spectrum. And that brings us to the next verses, 16 to 18. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus confronts this woman. 
as he always did in all of his teaching and in all of his ministry. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Solomon said, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. In John chapter 2, the apostle John tells us, Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, to anybody here on this earth, because he knew all people. He himself knew what was in man. And then in John 3, when speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus clearly again laid it out. That which is flesh is flesh. We live in a sinful world, and we are sinful people. Go call your husband, was Jesus' way of identifying the real problem that was in her heart. It reminds us as well, although this will not be the main subject of the sermon, obviously, the sanctity of marriage and the importance of the sixth commandment. She was living together with this man to whom she was not even married. I suppose after having five husbands and five divorces, apparently, uh, she felt like there was nothing else left to do for her. Jesus doesn't ignore it, but calls her out on that. We're going to think more about that ourselves when we think about how God also confronts us. But then came the conversion. I'm going to skip a number of the verses, but beginning in verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus explained that salvation comes from Jews, and it comes all the way back through the line of Moses and Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Jacob and all of that. And she's trying to kind of divert the discussion a little bit in a different direction, but Jesus won't let that happen. What he's talking about here is the truth and the true plan of God's salvation. Jerusalem was important. Judea was important, as well as all the other tribes of Israel, going all the way back to Abraham especially. And God gave Abraham this tremendous promise that in him, in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed, showing us again God's plan for eternal salvation for people of all nations. And this is where we begin to see what the conversion is all about. Think about a, a landing strip. Sometimes when missionaries go into remote places, one of the first things they do is get a landing strip built so that an airplane can come in and that more missionaries and more supplies can be brought so that more people can hear the gospel and believe. In a similar way, God used Israel as a kind of landing strip on this planet to bring his son into this world and to bring salvation to all people. Jesus says, give me a drink to this woman. And these words are directly connected to what would happen at the end of the Gospel of John when Jesus was being crucified. And again, he would ask for a drink with the famous words from the cross, I thirst. What the conversation Jesus had with this woman was really all about is that the conversion is being completed by Jesus himself. The sacrifices of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and of Moses, we're not going to get into an argument about those because they have been fulfilled. They will be fulfilled in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And this is what brought her to her faith in Christ. 
I think it's so important to recognize that she leaves her water pot there, runs into the town, and tells everyone, this is the Messiah. They come to believe. And we're going to talk more about how it was that they came to believe in her witness. But let's talk first about our Jacob's well. Let's talk about the way we also go through the same thing that she was going through. And the first has to do with conversations. The conversations that God has with us in His Word. The conversations that we have with God in our prayers. I mentioned at the introduction of the service the words soul-searching. In 2007, there was a documentary with that title. I'd encourage you to take a look at it. Soul Search. It's about teenagers and about their relationship with God and the importance of digging down deep into seeing what's really in not only their hearts, but our hearts as well. Paul said in his second letter to the Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. We have these conversations with ourselves and hopefully with the Lord, interacting with Him as we listen to His words, but also as we pray and ask God to cleanse our hearts. Ask God to help us do His will. Ask God to help us be faithful to Him. Every time we do that, it is as though we are at Jacob's well with that woman and with Jesus. And he is having the same kind of conversation with us. In those conversations, as I mentioned before, there will be confrontations. Every time you come to worship here, you find yourself being confronted in a little way with the problem of sin. That's what happens when we listen to the scriptures. And I'm sure that's a reason why many people don't come to worship because they don't want to be confronted. But we have to be. And we also have to be those who have conversations with others. And sometimes we are called upon to confront others, just as Jesus confronted her with her sins. Every now and then I'm in a conversation with somebody and they float an idea past me looking for my approval when I know that what they're saying is not right and it is not true. None of us like to get into arguments and none of us like to be condemning of other people around us. But I found that one of the best ways to handle that situation is to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Always directing them back to the Bible and to God's Word because that's Jacob's well and the confrontation that they need is not necessarily with me but with God Himself and with His Word. That's a good way to handle that situation. God confronts us through His Word, and God wants everyone to be confronted like that with His Word, to bring us to repentance so that we can find the forgiveness that comes next. The conversion of the woman at the well and our own conversion are very similar. We hear the words of the Lord, whether it's a complete beginning conversion of our faith from unbelief to belief, or simply the conversion from sin to forgiveness, or the conversion from error to truth and correction. Nevertheless, we, like the woman, can say, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? We know that she was asking that question, as we say, in a rhetorical way. She knew absolutely that this was the Christ. 
And her friends, her Samaritan friends, also found the same conversion that she did. They came to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. And this really interests me because there are really not that many words that she actually says to them. And reading between the lines a little bit, I think this is what they really saw. They saw a dramatic change in her. Remember that she went to the well at the noon hour of the day when nobody else would be around. She was ashamed of her life. But after this conversation with Jesus, after the confrontation, after the conversion, all of that changed. No more shame in her life. And she could go back to the town and she could talk to the people boldly. And she wasn't afraid. She wasn't hiding her past anymore. He told me everything I ever did. This is one of the most beautiful things we can do as Christians. And this is how our witness to the world can be so effective. Because there are really only two kinds of people in the world that are without Christ. They are either in despair, they are either uh, hiding their sins from themselves and from other people, or they are self-righteous liars. They are deceiving themselves and deceiving others, and they are presenting a false front all of the time in their lives. The Christians need to do neither of those. They need to neither hide their sins to be ashamed of them nor try to cover them up as though they did not exist. We are honest and we can be honest and we don't have to be ashamed anymore. Jesus can tell us everything we ever did because it is he who is telling us this. He who knows our souls better than we do. He who went to the cross, as Paul said, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's his great love, and that's what takes the shame and the pretense away. That allows us to be real people, real people in Christ. And I'm convinced that that's what the Samaritans saw in her face and the dramatic change in her life. They went on to listen to more. Jesus stayed with them for two more days, and they heard that gospel as well. What a blessing it is to come to Jacob's well. As we come to it, whenever we come to God's word, as it confronts us, as it converts us, as it takes us out of that realm of either despair or pride and puts us in the realm of hope and joy and confidence in Christ. Amen. Please rise.